Welcome, everybody. So glad that you are here joining us today at our online worship experience here at Skyline Church. My name is Jeff Nicoletti. So glad that you are here. Listen, wherever you are, check in, say hi. Our online hosts are there to connect with you, chat with you. And if you're new here, maybe you're checking us out for the first time online, we are so glad that you are here uh, online with us. In fact, we'd love to send you a little gift just for being here. So there's a little button that you can click that says new here. We'd love to connect with you. Parents, don't forget, we've got special kids, online worship experiences, available resources for you. Just hop over to skylinechurch.cc and you can click on the little button that says Sky Kids Online and you can check that out for your children. We're going to go ahead and jump in. So get something to write with, to write on, get your Bible out, the Bible app, whatever it is that you need to follow along and lean in and engage. This is uh, part three of our movement series, and, and we're just, we're just going to jump in. Acts chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 1. Here we go. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk." And then taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gates called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. I, I wonder if there's anybody listening today who has been recognized by your setback, like this man was. We read there in verse 10, he, he was recognized as the lame man. He was recognized as the one who used to sit. He was recognized as the one who, who had a dysfunction. And you know, I, I wonder how many of us have allowed others to define us or to attach our identity to something that we've done or experienced. Or, or in this case, maybe allowed others to attach my identity, uh, re really my worth and my value, to something that I had absolutely no control over, right? Because it said that this man was, was lame from birth. Or, or maybe what's worse is that some of us ourselves have actually attached our identity to a failure that we've experienced, a, a relationship that's been broken, a marriage that didn't last, a business that didn't make it, a, a bad decision that, that I made, and, or, 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 or maybe we attach it to things that we actually had no control over. My, 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 my family has always struggled with addictions, and so I, I'm defined by that. My, uh, there's a history of divorce in my family, so I'm probably bound to have that happen. My, my family has a history of, of anxiety or, or depression, and so I'm destined for that. And, and listen, even before we jump back into our text for today, I just want to declare to someone today that you are not defined by any single decision that you've made. 
You, you are not defined by any single mistake. You are not defined by any single family decision that was made generations before you were even born into this world. But what you are defined by and what you should be thankful for today, and someone needs to give Jesus a shout of praise in this moment, is that you are defined by a single uh, event. And that event happened at the cross at Calvary where the very Son of God stepped into all eternity eternity and said, you son, you daughter are worth laying down my life for. Maybe your parents never told you that you were worth it, but the great I am declares to you that you are. And if you can allow your life and your identity to be found in him, then you can change your expectations. Come on, whoever you're with right now, just turn to him and say, raise your expectations. Come on, say, say, raise your expectations, because as we continue this movement series, really what we're allowing to have happen is that our idea of following Jesus, our idea of, of what the church is and what it's called to be and called to do, we're, we're jumping into Acts chapter 3, and, and we find this encounter with a man who has spent his entire life being looked over, being looked past, pro probably having given up on expecting much of anything other than a handout. But listen to me, when, when you encounter Jesus, when, when you encounter the Holy Spirit, listen to me, you, you'd better start raising your expectations. Now, now, really quickly, before we jump into Acts chapter 3, let's just re recap. Uh, because again, this, here in the beginning of the book of Acts, we have the, the opening act of the church. It's the, it's the very beginning. It's the, it's the groundwork being laid for the church. And last week in, in part two, we, we looked at Acts chapter two. And, and if you missed that, uh, listen, hop, hop onto our YouTube page, our Facebook page. You can watch it there. But, but Jesus sets up his disciples in Jerusalem. And, and we see the Holy Spirit poured out on those disciples. And it's the very beginning of the church and there's there's tongues of fire and there's there's lots of languages being spoken and people from all over the world who had gathered in that city are hearing the gospel of Jesus and 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 we get to see what happens. The end of Acts chapter 2 verse 41 says this, those who accepted the message and were baptized were about 3 were it said about 3000 were added to their number that day. So this miraculous event happens and 3,000 people were added. They repented and they were baptized and they were added to the church. And, and then what? But before we even get to Acts chapter 3, we found out that, that, the, that the church is starting to get a little bit organized. And we don't have time to get into all of this and to, and to really study it in this moment. But it's important that we make a note of it, especially because in this season, listen to me, you Church, in this season, you have been living this out. Verses 42 through 47 of Acts chapter 2. It says, they're talking about the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. So they, they, they gathered together, they fellowshiped together, they learned together. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed and then it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Listen, the early church was, was devoted to generosity. 
And because generosity was a staple of the church, the church was able to meet needs and to make a difference. In fact, it was the generosity of the early church, the the willingness to sacrifice. This is what caused them to be so effective in reaching the world. They didn't have all the things that we had. They they didn't gather together in one room, in one building, at one time. They they worshiped together. They prayed together. They sat under the, the teaching of God's word together, but they were generous and Listen, I think that I can say with a hundred percent certainty that I have never been more proud of our church than in this season. Because when all of the things that we're used to having, the building and the and the Sunday morning and, and all the stuff that we're used to, because we have lost all of those things. But in the middle of all of that, you all have displayed such incredible generosity, giving sacrificially to serve and love people in our city, buying out food trucks, feeding 11, 12, 1,300 people in the past weeks. You all have been amazing. You're being, we get to be what the early church was doing. And it says, every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Some of y'all need to be thankful and praise Jesus that you follow him now because the early church met daily. <laughs> we only do like once a week, maybe twice a week. It says, they're praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the church is geared up. It's ready to go. It's, it's, it's been filled with the Holy Spirit. It's gotten itself a little bit organized and now it's ready to start in Jerusalem because remember Jesus commanded his disciples he said hey you are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world so here they they're starting right where they are because listen a mission without a location doesn't really make sense it's not much of a mission and sometimes it's good to start right where you are the, the disciples didn't start at the ends of the world and then work their way back in. They started right where they were, where they had been planted, where Jesus set them up. Some of us would do well to just start right where you are. We, we, we think so far down the road, well, well, one day when I get there, one day when I make it there, one day when I get that job, one day when I get to that place I really want to be. And I think what Jesus would say in this moment is, hey, just be faithful right where you are. Maybe before he sends you where you're believing you're going. Okay, Acts chapter 3. Here I go. Let's jump, in. Let's jump back in. Starting verse 1. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. It says, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple court. So, so Peter and John, two of Jesus' original disciples, are, are heading into the temple in Jerusalem and at one of the public times of prayer on that day. Listen, it's always good. When the church is open and it's time to pray, it's a good idea to be there. Because you, you never know what you might encounter, what Jesus, what the Holy Spirit might do when you gather together with his people, when we're called together. So they're there, and, and, and as they're walking in, evidently there's a man there who's, who's begging at the temple gate and has been doing so for a long time because we find out later, again, that, he had a, that this was his reputation. And so every day, this man is carried to the same place in hopes of just receiving some charity. In hopes that, uh, that, that more than likely he, he, he could just get enough to buy a meal. And, and while there's some debate among scholars which gate at the temple 
is the one that they're referencing here in Acts chapter 3, the, the gate called Beautiful. Most scholars would, would agree that it is most certainly one of the outer gates. S- certainly this man who was lame, the, the, this man who couldn't walk, this man who had, a, who had a dysfunction, certainly he was not allowed to be truly in the temple because he's an outcast. He's not enough. Uh, he, he's been put into a category really by the religious leaders of this day that, that he is less than. He's, he's not worthy. Because we, we read earlier in John's gospel in chapter 9 that the prevalent religious thought of the day would have been either that this man or his parents must have sinned in order for him to be this way. Because in John chapter 9, Jesus is actually in Jerusalem. He's, he's, he's around the temple, and he and his disciples are, are walking by, and, and it says that a man who was born blind is around them, and even the disciples look at Jesus, and they say, uh, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born this way? And Jesus just has to simply rebuke his own disciples in the moment and say, no, you've got it all wrong, that it, it has nothing to do with the the, the condition of his soul, like you don't sin and wind up this way. And so here in, in Acts chapter 3, it's, it's not just that this man is lame. It's, it's not just that he's paralyzed, but he's an outcast. He's, he's marginalized. He's not allowed in. He, he can't go into the temple. He can't worship with everybody else. He can't be in fellowship with other people. He can't be connected with everyone else. His condition, the, the thing with which he has been identified his entire life, the thing that he had absolutely no control over is the very thing that the religious system of the time used to hold him back. And that's one of the things I love about Jesus, and and really it's also what the church should be doing. It's upending systems and turning over systems that hold people back that restrict people, that limit people and tell people, no, you can't, or no, you shouldn't, or, or no, you're not enough. So you get to verse 3. So they're on their way in, and verse 3, it says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And there's a couple of things that really strike me in this, in this really short verse. First is, we actually shouldn't really be surprised that this man was asking for money. I mean, this is what he had been conditioned his entire life to do. He, he was brought to the same spot daily to beg for money, to, to look to others for compassion, to look to others for resources. And all he had come to expect from anyone was money. But that was the most he came with the expectation for, that, that after years and years of being brought to the same place in front of the temple, he was simply expecting a handout. Some of us have been doing the same thing day after day, week after week, year after year, and you've actually conditioned yourself to have really low expectations. Because you've, maybe you've been disappointed a few times, and because of that, you just, you just lower the bar a little bit. We, you just assume that things aren't going to work out, that, that it's not going to happen, that you're not going to get that job, that, 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 that you're, you assume that your spouse is, is going to let you down. You assume that your, your co-worker is, is going to go behind your back, you, that the doctor's report is, is going to come back not in my favor. Why? Because I've, I've actually begun to tie myself and my value and my worth into my dysfunction. I've become so used to what other people may think of me. I, I've become so accustomed 
to the self-talk that goes on in my head, the, the playlist that's on repeat that you hear over and over, or the lies that the enemy is whispering into your ear that says, you won't, you can't, they don't see you, they don't care about you, you're not enough, you'll never make it, no one thinks you can do it, you're not going to give up, stop going. Because the reality is this, is sometimes we don't really ask for the things we need because it's easier to ask for what we'll probably get. I think so many of us approach Jesus the same way that we do a bad boss. Like, I, I can't really ask for what, for what I need, so I'm just going to lower my expectations a little bit. I'm going to ask for something less. Because if I lower my expectations, at least I'll probably get that. If I, if I lower my expectations, at least I, there, there's a greater opportunity that I'll get a Yes. What I really want is to be able to walk. I want to be able to provide for myself. I don't want to have to be carried day after day after day asking for a hand up. But that's too much to ask for, so I'm just going to ask for some money. Because sometimes it's easier to stay in our discomfort than to step into something new. And secondly, this, this man must have known. He obviously knew who Peter and John were. I mean, read the text. It says that when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. It doesn't say that Peter and John were walking along and they happened across a man who was asking for money. But this man specifically saw Peter and John and asked them. I mean, it's only days, maybe, maybe weeks ago that Pentecost happened, Acts chapter 2. And this man most likely would have either been around or at the very least heard what happened on that day. And would have known that Peter and John were a part of this miraculous event. No wonder he recognizes them. Jesus himself was at the temple only about two months earlier. Jesus enters into Jerusalem a week before being crucified. We actually read in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus was at the temple, the same place this man is, healing the lame and the blind. Matthew chapter 21, verse 14, it says, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. And so if this man had at least heard of what Jesus had been doing, if not actually witnessing it himself and knowing that Peter and John are Jesus' disciples and that they teach with the same authority and that where they are, miracles begin to happen in Jesus' name. Why not ask for more? Why not reach out and say to the disciples, heal me? Uh, I've seen Jesus do it. I've heard that you can do it too. Can you heal me? Can you make me well? Can you do for me what no one else has been able to do? Can you do in me what no one else has been able to do? But he's lowered his expectations. Come on, look, whoever you're with right now, just turn and say, you got to raise your expectations. This man has been so let down, so disappointed, he can only ask for what he'll probably get. 
Come on. Faith has got to start stirring up inside of someone today to believe that you serve a God not of what you'll probably get, but the God of what you need. Because listen to me, Jesus knows what you need even if you don't know what it is or how to ask for it. Jesus wants to address the thing inside of you that's forcing you to ask for the same things over and over and over again. And and maybe it's not your ankles or your legs or your feet that aren't working, but chances are there's something inside of you that's lame. Something else that's broken, that's, that's got you stuck, that's got you believing that it can't work, that, that, that has you believing that you should only ask for what you'll probably get. Maybe it's your self-talk. Maybe it's what you believe about yourself. Maybe it's a lie that a parent told you that you've been holding on to your whole life. Maybe it's the business that failed. Maybe it's the addiction that you've gotten really comfortable in. Maybe it's your anger. Maybe it's your gossip. Maybe it's the way that you, you view other people. But what if... What if Jesus actually wants to address what's going on in you so you'll stop asking for the same things over and over? Because I think that's where so many of us find ourselves. We're asking for the same things over, praying and asking the same things over. It's like our prayer list is just, is just on repeat. Listen, if the apostles had given this man money, he would have needed money again. Being in need of money in that moment was a symptom of the greater need inside of him. Like, you do not actually need more likes on your social media posts. That's just a symptom. That's, that's just a way to get a fix for what's really going on inside of you, which is a deep-rooted and misplaced need to have other people like you and approve of you. In fact, it, it, the, the more likes you end up getting, the, the more it will actually reinforce your misplaced need. Or you don't actually need another drink. The, the drink is just a symptom. It's, it's, a, it's a way to mask the hurt and disappointment from a broken relationship years ago. Instead of asking for help and healing of that, you just keep asking Jesus, help me not take another drink. Or you don't actually need that promotion or that raise or that new job or that new opportunity that you've been asking for over and over and over. What you keep telling yourself is that if I get that new job or if I get that pay raise or that promotion, that's what will get me out of debt. If I had that, I wouldn't have the money problems. But the reality is, is that you've been enslaved to debt for a long time. That no matter what you've made, you've always spent more than what you have. So it... It doesn't actually matter if you just keep asking for more money, but because you're enslaved to it, you just keep asking, asking for it, and you'll just end up spending more. And what I want to declare to someone today is the same thing that Peter declared to this man. Listen, silver or gold, things, material, I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Listen, whatever you're walking through right now, whatever you think you need, if you think it's money, if you think it's another drink, if you think it's more followers, you need more people to see your stuff, if it's another person for you to sleep with, another promotion to get, another house to buy, another fix to get, another weekend to make it to, I don't have those things, but what I do have, I give to you freely, and that's healing in Jesus' name. Come on. Jesus says, I don't have what you think 
You want, I have what you need. I don't have what you've gotten used to asking for. I don't even have what you've been conditioned to expect. And I certainly don't have what you think you can probably get. I have so much more because there's freedom in Jesus' name. There's restoration in Jesus' name. There are prison walls coming down in Jesus' name. Addictions being broken in Jesus. The bondage of debt being broken in Jesus. There's peace where you didn't think there could be peace. There's joy where you thought there couldn't be any. Light where all you've seen is darkness. There's freedom from generational sicknesses. Come on, someone, someone's got to raise their expectations. If you aren't careful, though, there's actually two really important steps that, that I think many of us miss. Because up until now, it's been great. Like, like this has been awesome. Like, yeah, Rick, I get it. I'm going to raise my expectations. I'm going to start asking for more. I'm going to start believing for greater things. I'm going I'm to start identifying, asking Jesus, do this. I, Jesus wants me to be free. Jesus wants to heal. He wants to do more than I can. And that's great. I Woo! It's great. There's actually a couple of steps that you and I have to take quite literally in this story. But also in our own lives. Acts chapter 3, verse 7. Pick back up the story. I, I don't want you to miss this detail. It says that Peter, it says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and and ankles became strong. Listen, if we aren't careful, we'll actually miss it. So so I'm going to read it again. Acts chapter 3, verse 7. It says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Listen, in verse 6. Peter looked at this man and says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Like, like in Jesus' name, you are healed. But watch this. This is important. It was the man's movement that set his miracle in motion. Don't, don't, don't miss this. It was the man's motion that set his, it was his movement that set his miracle in motion because Peter just commanded him in verse 6 to do something that he's never done before. Remember, he's been lame since birth. This man doesn't even know how to stand up. His, he can't do what Peter just told him to do. Have you ever seen what happens to muscle or bone if you never use it? If it's been years or decades chances are in this man his muscles and his legs and his feet and and they've wasted away to nothing he's been so inactive no movement, no strengthening nothing not only does this man not know how his body doesn't even have the capability to do it but watch what happens it's in the standing up that the miracle happens how I think most of us would like this miracle to play out or, or, or quite honestly how we'd like to see it play out in our lives is this way. Verse 6 In Jesus' name be healed and walk. Verse 7, we'd like it to read this way, that instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong and taking him by the right hand, Peter helped him up. Like we're going to pray, Jesus, I'm praying for the miracle. I'm believing for more. I'm praying that you're going to intervene. And I'm going to go. I'm going to move. I'll take the jump. But only after everything falls into place first. Here, here's what I'm going to tell you. The man did not stand up because he was made strong. 
he was made strong because he stood up. It's, it's in the process of getting up that the miracle's completed. Not while he's seated, but while he starts to, it's when he gets going. It's when it, and some of us are waiting for Jesus. We're just sitting and waiting, but we need to be a little bit more like this man. When Jesus says, get up, even if you're not ready, even if you don't have the strength, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what other people will say. It doesn't really matter if you're ready. What matters is that you're obedient. It doesn't matter what other people might say. It only matters what Jesus said. If he said stand up, then stand up. If he said be free, then be free. If he said lead, then lead. If he said go, then go. But you've got to get moving. Remember, our faith is a going faith. It's a movement faith. So you need movement in order to get the miracle in motion. But you're gonna need something else too. You're gonna need a hand. It says that Peter reached out his hand towards the man to help him on his feet. Remember, this miracle was going to cause the man to do something he had never done before. Now listen to me. If you're going to do something you've never done before, if you're going to experience breakthrough you never have before, you're going to need to be attached to some other people. You're going to have to get around some other followers of Jesus. Because when you don't exercise something, or you never have, it tends to get weak and you need some help. And I love that these details are put into this encounter because it could have just said, oh, Peter took him by the hand and it stood up. But it, it addresses his specific needs. It tells us about the specific healing that took place in this man, that his ankles were made strong, his feet were made strong. Parts of him that had been withered away are now made healthy. By the way, that's why you need the church. If you've never exercised your faith, you need some people around you to help you, to strengthen you. That's why you can't be alone. That's why you need other people. You better attach yourself. It says that he went to the temple. And it says he went to the temple holding on to Peter and John. Verse 11 says when they got to the temple, he's still resting and leaning on them. Because listen to me, when the chains of addiction get broken in your life, when in Jesus' name you come walking out of depression or you get that job or you become a parent or you break the generational cycle of abuse and neglect in your family, you've never done it before. And yes, you need the healing power of Jesus and by the faith that comes in His name, you need the Holy Spirit to heal and in those places and restore the things that have been broken. Restore your psychology. Restore your thinking. Strengthen your mind. Build up your faith. But you also need the hand of somebody who's done what you've never done before. You need the hand of somebody who's a little bit stronger, who walked beside you, who will pray with you, encourage you when it gets hard, speak life over you when the world is speaking death, who can go to war for you, who can stand when you can't pick you up when you fall, who's going to cry out to Jesus' name on your behalf. You need some people. You need some people. Come on, wherever you are right now, stand to your feet. Right there in your home, stand up. I love this. The, 
by the end of this encounter, the people now start to take notice. Acts chapter 3, verse 10. They, talking about the crowd, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And then they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I wonder if it's because perhaps this man was as loud in praising Jesus as, ha as he had been before in begging for money. You see, because it wasn't just his physical condition that changed, but it was also his emotional and his mental condition too. Listen to me. He, he went from sitting and needing something from other people to moving and declaring to others what he had found in Jesus. Come on, somebody today, somebody under the sound of my voice, your physical condition is getting ready to change and so is your mental condition. You're going from sitting and begging to moving and declaring. He used to sit and wait and beg for everything that you needed from other people. But today you're moving. Today you're declaring, declaring that in Jesus' name you found hope. You found healing. You found purpose. I don't need to sit here and beg from you people anymore. Whatever you were going to give me, I don't need it anymore anyway. I'm moving. I'm declaring. I'm singing the praises of the one who healed me, who restored me, who made I'm moving. Because movement is what's going to set my miracle in motion. I don't have to wait till I'm strong to get up and go. I'm going to be made strong because I got up and went. Come on, somebody, today, you need to start getting your miracle in motion. You got to start moving. You got to get up on your feet. Your ankles being made strong. Your feet being made strong. Your faith being made strong. Come on, your mind being renewed in Jesus' name. Listen, people see it. People see it in the same way that the people saw this man. They recognized that this was the man who used to sit and beg. And now they see him moving and declaring. And when they recognize you for who you were, and witness who you've become in Jesus, guess what? They're ready to hear the gospel. Because Peter watches all of this happen. And he watches the crowd gather. And they, he notices that they're like, hey, something is going on here. They, they recognize this man. So Peter takes the opportunity. Acts chapter 3, verse 12 and 16. It says, when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? But by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you all can see. Listen to me. When people see who you were and what you become, they become ready to hear the gospel. That's why in Revelation it says, hey, we overcome by the blood of Jesus and by our testimony, by the life 
that I live. Listen to me. There's some of you today, you got to get up and get moving. You got to start getting that miracle in motion. Why? Because the people in your life need to have their hearts prepared to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And the catalyst for that is going to be your life. It's going to be you walking out of depression, walking out of anxiety, walking out of addiction, living faithfully. Okay, here's what I want to do. Right now in this moment, I want to honor this moment. Every head bowed, every heart open. Right where you are. Maybe today you're, you're watching and you're thinking, man, my, my expectations have been so low. I've been, I've been asking for the same thing on repeat over and over and over. And you're ready in this moment to let Jesus do for you not just what you can probably get, but what you really need. Healing, restoration, forgiveness, peace, joy, hope, a restored marriage, restored kids, restored hope, restored faith in Jesus. Maybe for the very first time, you want to step into faith in Jesus' name, or maybe for the first time in a long time, you're ready to come home to faith in Jesus' name. So here's what I want to do. Every head bowed, every heart open. Let's honor this moment. And for the sake of everybody who's going to say this for the first time, I want everybody to pray this prayer out loud with me. Say, Jesus, today I declare I'm going from sitting and begging to movement and declaring to believing that you have everything I need that in your name I have forgiveness, that in your name I have hope, that in your name I am made whole, and that by the faith that comes by your name, I am made new today. Come on, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, if you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Scripture declares that you shall be saved. Come on, lift up a shout of praise wherever you are for every person stepping into faith right now all across our city, all across our county. The Spirit of Jesus moving, rising up in people, believing that there's more, believing to stop asking what you've been conditioned to believe but to believe that Jesus is the one who wants to heal and restore everything inside of you. Amen. Y'all got me fired up. You're not even here with me. Listen to me. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you're sincere. I want to tell you, Scripture says you're a new creation. You're made new in Jesus. Welcome home. Welcome home to the family. Listen to me. Heaven right now is literally throwing a party in your honor. Why? Because you stepped from death into life. You were lost and now you're found. And all of heaven is declaring with a loud voice, worshiping and praising new life today. In fact, here's what I want you to do. Worst thing you could do 
would be to be inspired to make a change and then not take a next step. Here's your next step. There's a button right now that you can click that says, hey, that was me. I prayed that prayer. I'm stepping into faith. I'm renewing my faith. Click it right now. We want to connect with you. We want to pray with you. We want to partner with you in this faith journey. Listen, we might be separated physically, but listen, don't separate yourself spiritually. Stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected to his people. Listen, we're going to grow together. We're going to grow in this season together. We're going to stay connected together. And we want to come alongside you and partner with you in that journey. We're so proud of you. We're so excited for you. You just made the best decision you'll ever make in your entire life. Stepping into faith in Jesus' name. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to close the same way we do each and every week with an opportunity to give our tithes and our offerings. Now listen, if you're new... We don't want anything from you. But if you call Skyline your home, all we ever ask is that you ask Jesus what you should give and then just be obedient. Because we know that on the other side of obedience, there's blessing for you and for your family. There's two really easy ways that you can give. You can give online through our app. You can also give right from your smartphone. You can text the amount you want to give to 84321 and then just follow the prompts from there. Now listen, church. I mentioned it earlier, but in this season, listen, we are being like the early church. We have been dedicated and devoted to generosity. And listen, I'm going to continue to tell you and encourage you every single week that when you are faithful, consistent, and generous, Jesus' church is able to be faithful, consistent, and generous to our city and meet needs and buy out food trucks and care for people and provide and, and, and just bless the city where we have been called. So come on, continue to be faithful, continue to be consistent, continue to be generous because then the church can go out and be the movement that it was always called to be, to be the church that we were always called to be, moving the kingdom of Jesus forward in our city. Amen. I just want to, I want to pray for you, bless you as we close today. So if you can, just put your hands up right where you are. I pray that you'll just receive this. I pray that Jesus would cause his very presence to go before you, to surround you, that the Holy Spirit himself would fill you and empower you and equip you and embolden you and that your heavenly Father would cause his good face to shine upon you until we gather together again and give you peace and give you rest in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, we love you. We miss you. Stay connected. Follow on social media. If you need something, let us know. We are here for you. We cannot wait until we're together in person. We love you. Have a great week.